just like to see things that like haven't been done. When I can take risks and then I know that I'm expressing myself. I, I never went in on the song so many times. I, I, you know, I listen to everybody. I listen to all kind of music. The truth is in the room. It's a vibe. So welcome to our 70s top 30 list part deux. On deux, all right. I have uh, two, uh, you, you know who they are. I don't even like keep introducing them, but Lil Tanky that could, Key to the Muscle, what's up? Talk to the people, part two, yeah. 70s was good. What's up? You know you're loving them 70s, right? I made it right. You, your whole life you was told 70s ain't nothing. You went back and you listened to them songs, you're like, wait, but them shit's kind of slapped. Them joints is slapping and... Um, me and my team, okay, me and the crack team, we do research. We do work every day because we care about media, we care about music, and we care about bringing it to you without corporate sponsorship, okay? That's what we're doing here. We care about portraying media in a way that's not Rotten Tomatoes, where it's like, oh, wow, Shang-Chi is a 98%. Psych! That's the wrong number! I'm trying to bring you to real. Anyway, digress. Thoughts on anything else or anything I just said? Let's do this music ting, bro. All right. Number 15, right on, Marvin Gaye, 1971. Okay, so this song right here, um, I think we also have a decade alert, um, decade hopper alert. This is uh, Marvin Gaye, who we also saw in the 60s. And of course, this song right here, is phenomenal, but I just really quickly want to talk a little bit about what's going on the album, which probably we could have chose like four or five different songs, right? I mean, from that album alone, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a classic. It's one of the all-time greats. Um, it's uh, so what's going on? A track title uh, features a soulful, passionate vocals, multi-track background singing, um, and then of course this song diving into more of the social just, justice aspect when, you know, in the 60s, it was, it was much more love songs and things like that. We're really seeing a um, a change and uh, evolution in uh, Marvin Gaye's music. And this song right here, I think, does a great job of em embodying it as much as the album does. And, um, you know, I just thought that, you know, we should mention that first, the album Tremendous, and this song right here is just kind of inched by a couple of other ones. But um, that's to let you know how good it is. Well, fuck me up about dude, man. Truly. Think about his position in the game. I mean, you're talking about a dude that's really the number one stunner, bro. You are the face of black music. Black masculine music. You are a sex object. Incredibly talented, hailed and respected. And you're taking time in your music to look at the social condition of the world you're in and ask questions like, really, what is happening here? Why is this happening? It's fascinating, right? Because you just don't really find a lot of contemporary artists that's really willing to have a moment of this type of deep, honest introspection about examining the culture we live in, asking questions. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, it's a seven-minute song uh, influenced by funk, rock, and Latin soul rhythms uh, that uh, Marvin Gaye focused on. Uh, and he said it's, you know... Marvin Gaye's own divided soul in which Marvin Gaye pleaded in falsetto to come together and to proclaim love as our salvation. What? What? Number 14, Avalanche, Leonard Cohen, 1971. 
so uh, I have an alert. I have an alert for this song. I have two alerts, by the way. I have two alerts. Number one is a decade hopper alert, I believe. Spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, we may see them later in um, our uh, list as we go through all of the decades. Also, another alert. Um, how about this? How about folk alerts? I know we were kind of going back and forth, uh, me and Muscle, like, is this a folk song? But I think we came to a decision that it is um, alert folk. So um, a little thoughts on this one, Leonard Cohen and uh, Avalanche. Uh, again, another artist I think we had a, a couple poet. songs from. Okay. So let me let me open the conversation up. <clears throat> Move to make all ethnic music folk. Mm. I love when it. You sing the music of your ethnicity. You speak in your folk. You know what I'm saying? But this 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 conversation go further than y'all think though, because it mean that blues is folk. Ding. It mean that hip hop is folk. Ding. But I definitely, in a real real way, feel like this song is deeply tribal and speaks to his people. Uh, it's a deeply fantastic reimagining of a story we pretty much all know, but some people hold a little bit heavier in their heart than others. And uh, he made it something beautiful and artistic, but you see the awe and the terror of the moment in something that's really beautiful, man. I mean, he said that he uh, wrote the lyrics is based on a poem that he had written previously um, before he was inspired to add music to it. And it it's a beautiful song. It's so melancholy. And there's multiple interpretations of what it means. But I think that's the fun of music. We were having this discussion, like I said, with the folk music. And, of course, Lil Tanky, great point. Um, you know, because it had, like, he's playing the hell out of this guitar. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not it's not a game. It's not like, you know, just up laying back, you know, just strumming along. Now, he's really going off in this, man. And when it comes to an acoustic, um, you know, guitar performance, you don't really see those a lot. You know, the skill he was on was more like that metal skill and jazz skill you know like really what he was doing with that thing so you know you again if you're gonna make the list as a white dude you gotta be world class in multiple disciplines and we've seen that guitar world class we've seen the songwriting here of course from his third album songs of love and hate what an album title number 13 magic man heart 1975 I think the cool thing about Heart, um, when you consider that uh, everything, really, when you consider the time period, because in the 70s, a lot of uh, bands and groups are trying to evade the Vietnam War or speak on it or protest on it. Um, and that's where most of this, I think, album came from, was from that. Oh, my God, man. I feel like this song may be one of the best consent anthems of all time. It's one of the sexiest fucking songs of all time. It's one of the most ridiculously showy, flashy, crazy guitar shit songs of all time. It creates the whole lane for people, you know what I'm saying, coming in the game later in, in the metal, for like women metal, like all of the... Uh, oh my god man yeah again i mean you're talking about the 70s like you know i mean as you'll see like i definitely think the 70s 70s is in a running for best bands of any decade you know again of course we have a whole episode you know much later on to talk more about where we rank these decades but i think that um you know like you said uh you know they was really rocking out man it was really making some of the best rock music in the best rock era in my very humble yet incredibly informed opinion and um yeah i mean i think that they were 
um, in a lot of ways, torchbearers for for so many um, women in, in rock, you know, because we definitely gonna see a lot more women in rock, by the way. Okay, I hope you didn't think this was the only one. Uh, there are a couple more that uh, make our list later down the line. Number 12, One Nation Under a Groove, Funkadelic, 1978. Yeah, you can see how this song is definitely one of those, like, really top songs that shaped the genre of rock and roll. So, again, we established it. All ethnic music is folk music. So, this is the greatest folk song of all time. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Right? But also, also, Move to Make, Star Spangled Banner, the unofficial, rejected, move the fuck on, passed on, you the old one to move one nation under a groove into the national anthem spot. That's how you get That's intersectionality. That's a fact. One nation. And it's, and do it, do it for the troops, man. Let do it, it for the troops. One tr- nation. Under like, a groove. Man, I'm telling you, man. Yes. Come on, man. If That's you tough. want to bring America together, okay, we can bring America together. Number 11, Welcome to the Machine, Pink Floyd, 1975. Okay, so I'm not going to talk too much. Not going to talk too much. Yeah, not talk too much. A little bit about this band. You've already heard them before. Um, So I just, if I can, go ahead and pass it over to Key to the Muscle. This is our Artist of the Decade Alert. Okay, so... First, the band formed in the 1960s. They went through several name changes before combining the first names of a pair of Carolina bluesmen, Pink Anderson and Floyd Council. We definitely need to acknowledge black people's influence on blues and rock and roll and so many genres that we're talking about here. Um, But Sid Barrett knew the two bluesmen because their names were in the liner notes of Blind Boy Fuller's 1962 album. And Roger Waters caused... An international fur in December 2013 and was accused of anti-Semitism when he compared modern day Israelis to the Nazis. Speaking about oppression of the Palestinians in a magazine interview, he said the parallels with what went on in the 1930s in Germany are so crushingly obvious. You see why I got to be my favorite band. I just want to remind you once again, we in a week where a Palestinian journalist was shot in the head. A person that was wearing full tactical body armor was shot. See what I'm saying? Like, someone would press. So, like, for somebody to be taking a shot like that that long ago, that's real balls. And they back that shit up with crazy music, man. I mean, it's a trip. It's a walk. It's a ride. It's something that leads you around corners. Yeah, you know, welcome to the machine. To think about what you're saying, you know what I'm saying? The... um... The context surrounding living in this, you know, dystopian world that we're living in right now, what it means to, you know, enter into the machine like, you know, and we we have again much later, you may see a band called Rage Against the Machine. So, you know, you you have those parallels that exist here. Um, And I think, again, you know, when we're talking about why art matters, like what, what puts the best art sort of above really good art is the statements that are being made, you know, the things that it challenges. And that's what we wanted, you know, this to be as well. Like, take everything very seriously. Every We're writers, you know, so every line is important. Every line should be here for a reason. You know, you can't just be out here throwing, you know, stuff willy-nilly. Like, you know, we work with young people. They always want to freestyle and stuff. And, hey, that's great. You know what I'm saying? But um, practice, work, 
you know, years of it. That's how you make good music. And, um, you know, these bands was definitely doing that. Number 10, Free, Denise Williams, 1976. Okay, so Free is a song by American singer Denise Williams that was included on her album, This Is Nisi. Uh, the song was written by Denise, Hank Reed, Nathan Watts, and Suze Green, uh, produced by Maurice White and Charles Stephanie. Free uh, was Denise Williams' breakthrough single. It reached number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot Soul Singers chart and number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100 the single also rose to number one in the UK singles chart for two weeks in 1977. Free! Free! Bruh. Bruh. It's an anthem. It's a mood. It's a movement. You want to understand the heart of black femininity, man. Everything that makes black girls beautiful and amazing and magical is in that fucking song, bro. You fall in love with her immediately. What what a fucking voice. This so underappreciated. I, I dare to say there's fucking no one in the game that can sing that song right now. And she's singing this shit analog, man. Yeah. Um, also, I just want to bring this up because this is just an interesting uh, connection in music history. So Denise Williams' niece, Shatasha Williams, is the vocalist on Bone Thugs and Harmony's Thuggish Rug? It's that Thuggish Ruggish Bone. It's that Thuggish Ruggish Bone. Yeah, that's Denise Williams' niece, Shatasha. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Denise Williams. Uh, you niece just Shatasha Williams. destroyed my brain. <laughs> I knew y'all wouldn't have that one. Number nine. Give me your love. Love song. Curtis Mayfield, 1972. Let me talk it. First of all, this is off Superfly. Okay, so legend. I'll let y'all talk more about that, but legendary album here. Uh, you know, legendary movie, right? Legendary movie. Yeah. Um, I just want to say real quickly about this song. Um, it, it has been sampled 81 times. Okay. Wow. Um, that's from whosample.com. So uh, again, Curtis Mayfield, give me your love. Uh, any any thoughts on this kind of incredibly cool, incredibly sexy, legendary song? Yeah. <laughs> it really is a yeah type of like we have this thing in DC where it'd be like, "Are oh, you trying?" Yeah, you know what that means. You know what I'm saying? Oh my god! Yo. It was just very unique for. I mean, the whole album, right, is really unique for having socially aware lyrics about poverty and drug abuse and like the the feelings encapsulated in the whole album, but particularly in this song, just is very moving. Man, I. Uh... I'm not going to lie. I heard this song for the first time on uh, that Bill Bellamy movie, How to Be a Player. And it's such a cool fucking part of the movie, bro. It's like this girl, like, all right, so do the player, right? Real quick premise. In case you ain't seen, this going to be some spoilers. You know what I'm saying? And uh, his sister, no, he kind of a dog, you know? And so she trying to get him busted, man. It's really kind of some nosy, nosy shit. But, like... So she go, her and her little homie get together. They go through all this stuff, try to wreck his life, get him caught up. And uh, he escaped all the little traps, clever trap detected. 
and then he ends up getting with like baby girl sister, the the his sister's best friend who was trying to bring him down all day, and they bust it out to this song, and it's so fucking crazy sexy, right? So I had to fall back into the craze because I kind of thought, you know, but again, the shit was a little bit before my time, you know what I'm saying? But it's like I thought I knew Curtis Mayfield and had missed that song, bro. This shit is still today. One of the sexiest songs on earth. The the way that that bass line leads you in, you know what I'm saying? It's almost 40 seconds before you get any words. It's all mood. And the mood is raw passion. And I think this is our conversation as we're going to move forward into the 80s and the 90s. Like, this is what R&B and soul is looking like right now in the 70s, okay? So we always talk about, like, the heyday for, like, you know, rock and maybe in the 70s or the 60s. Um, you know, but like R&B is like, oh, 90, the 90s was the best. The 90s was number one. But I'm telling you right now, what Curtis Mayfield was doing in the, in the soul R&B game in the 70s has been re- really, I don't know if anyone's approached it. The sexiness, the swag. I mean, the, I mean, really, that's what it is. It's swag. It's swag because it also comes with, like you said, you know, um, like uh, messages. You know what I'm saying? Like these people, dudes don't take a real shots. Think about Superfly and what that means, like just to the culture in general. Like, you know, that this part, you know what I'm saying? Curtis Mayfield is like, has that type of stamp all through the 70s. It's kind of a if you know, you know kind of situation. Like lots of incredible singers. But just in terms of encapsulating that 70s, I don't think anyone did it like Curtis Mayfield. Number eight. The Heathen, Bob Marley and the Wailers, 1977. Okay, bam. So this right here was first played um, in, I'm trying to get this right. I'm Actually, I'm not going to try to get this right because I'm sure it's in, it's it's with a bunch of white people. It's a white people word. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you're damn right. All right. Uh, I didn't say it. Who's throstling? South Holland, okay? Uh, That's when it was first played. This was in uh, 1977. The original version uh, was a rhythm track and had a scratched vocal. So this later was overdubbed with alternate vocals and other instruments and remixed later in London, England. So the 1977 original version that, like, you know, you want to keep your original version, it is unreleased and unfound. Um, so of course, again, we can talk a whole lot about Bob Marley and the Wailers, which I assume y'all will, but I just wanted to mention this particulars of the song. And again, we could have got a bunch of different songs, um, but the heathen is what we went with. Any thoughts, my friends, on, uh, Bob Marley and the Wailers? Such a deviation for what you think you're going to get, right? You think you know what the Bob Marley experience is because it's the songs that you always hear, but this one. Oh, this one. It's off the beaten path. You really off in there in Jamaica. You know what I'm saying? Even though they wild as fuck in Europe with this song, you really in the islands with them right there. And he take you for a walk through the water, yeah, You're bro. talking about around corners. This one's it. Yeah, again, uh, poignant music. You know what I'm saying? Uh, everybody know what Bob Marley was going through, you know, with... Um, um, you know, the Jamaican government and how he was just a huge part of, um, you know, the political landscape um, when he was alive. And, you know, I think this this song right here is um, a great, you know, a great moment, like a great encapsulating moment for sort of 
um, what Bob and, and you know, everybody. I mean, the Marley family in general has given so much to music. I mean, we may hear some Marleys later. Who knows? Number seven, Dreamer, Bobby Bland, 1974. So again, we just talked about Curtis Mayfield uh, two songs ago. And, you know, when we want to talk about R&B and we want to talk about soul and blues and what's popping in the 70s, um, I think Bobby Boo Blaine is one of the people that you can definitely uh, bring up. He's got lots of songs that I know y'all have already heard, um, like Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City, which, of course, y'all know. Yeah, of course, that was. <laughs> it's the Jay-Z part. Uh, that's a fact. That's a fact. Um you know, and uh, I think he's probably underrated. Um, you know, probably underrated. Yeah, a yeah. black guy. <laughs> he's definitely underrated, and um, you know, he just comes from the real traditional kind of. I think I think he's from Tennessee, if I'm not sure. Is that the South or is it the Midwest? Of course, that's the South. Okay, so that's the South. So he's coming for that. Mid South represent. Mid South represent. He a lot coming of real for that. Hitters, all the Memphis motherfuckers, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, you, you you see how Memphis is kind of taking over, you know, the rap game in a lot of ways right now. Like you can see that this, you know, it's a rich music history going on, um, in in Tennessee. So, uh, you know, any any more thoughts on Bobby Bland or this song in general? Yeah, man, I, that is, this is just such an interesting point that you bring it up, right? You don't tend to think about Memphis as that kind of a musical city the way you would think about New Orleans. But when you're talking about the roots, man, with the blues, you know what I'm saying, with the hip-hop game, all of it being, you know, the, the language of struggle, you know, the music of struggle, you know what I'm saying? Those are deep traditions. You know, of course, you know, you got the corny Elvis shit, but, like, you know, I'm saying real— was Nashville. No, oh. Elvis is definitely Memphis. But. No. Right. <laughs> Nashville is country, right? Yeah. Got you. Yeah, yeah man, uh, shit is wild, bro. Which brings us to... Number six, The Thrill is Gone, B.B. King, 1970. So it reached number three on the Billboard's best-selling soul singles chart. And number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100, yes. And is this recording earned him a Grammy Award for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance in 1970? Thoughts on The Thrill Is Gone? Man, you want to know what the spirit of black masculinity is in a fucking song, man? What it feels to love something, to do bad things for you, it hurts you, and you love it, and you just want it to be better than it is and it is just all it can ever be that's this fucking song man it's like you think about all of the joy that could have been that's been gone for so fucking long you just reach this point where you're just fucking done with it and this man's soul is coming out in the fucking strings you understand like it's deeply spiritual music, man. Real sad boy, real gothic noir shit. Number five, The Chain, Fleetwood Mac, 1976. All right. Okay, so you probably you probably knew that this song was coming at some point. Uh, there is, a, again, there's a couple of Fleetwood Mac songs 
we could have put on here. Uh, the story behind the song, I think, is maybe what gave it the the boost to, and you see it's way high on our list. So The Chain, a song by British-American rock band Fleetwood Mac on the legendary album and legendary album cover of Rumors. Shit. Give me some thoughts. Oh, my gosh. I, so the song was created from, like, combinations of previously rejected materials from folks and then was assembled by manually splicing tapes with a razor blade sometimes in the recording studio, uh, and which is, you know, don't throw anything away because it's you created it, and it might come back later. The tension and passion. <laughs> yes. And madness of Fleetwood Mac. It is the worst, best artist dream, man. You're in love, man. The kind of love where you want to write songs about a motherfucker, man. And then that motherfucker break your heart and you want to write more songs. And unfortunately, your job is <laughs> you're a singer. So you sing these songs. Unfortunately, the person you... You're in love with having to be your coworker. They got songs they want to sing. They feel shit too. Y'all just singing songs about the way you feel. That's a fact. And you really feel it. If I can talk a little bit about some uh, experiential uh, background, experiential truth. Um, this song reminds me of a time in my life in where I was dating someone and we were living together and we were both writers. Of course, if you, you know, you may know me through my writing career, but, uh, you know, they were also an incredible writer. And they have this, we have this thing in April, Writer's Poetry Month, we call 30 for 30, which means you write a poem, not maybe not a poem a day, but 30 poems in 30 days. So, uh, it's so we broke up right in the middle of 30 for 30. Oh, no. So we both already committed to like our, you know, fan base. We already committed uh, to do this. We already have like five or six people that are like holding, you know, accountability buddies, sending each other poems. So I don't know why. But of course, I'm posting all my poems on Facebook and they're posting all their poems on Facebook. And of course, we're both looking at each other, write poems about each other on Facebook. And so I just want to say that this song gives a lot of those vibes, but, uh, but in general, and I mean, look, man, love is a losing game sometimes, you know, and this is a, one of those songs that again, I think, uh, you know, really brings that metaphor to the forefront. Yeah. Motherfuckers should have just kind of like, uh, normalized polyamory, you know, and maybe just set some clear boundaries, you know, a lot of we could have got a lot more records, okay? Be grown up, okay? In your fucking decisions. Number four. Love to love you, baby. Donna Summer, 1974. Okay, so I want to say this. This is a very... Speaking uh, of being grown up. Yeah, this is being, speaking of being grown up. Decisions. <laughs> uh, uh, I just want to say that this song, this song is the longest song on any of the decades lists <laughs> in a whopping 16 minutes and 49 seconds. Um, If you follow us on Public Pulse Vibes, you know I've been uh, posting about Donna Summer for the last few days. Uh, you know, when it when it comes to, again, we talked about Curtis Mayfield and, you know, the sexuality that he brought to music. You know, what Donna is doing with, with um, you know, disco music and, and, and everything that's happening right now. I mean, every young, every young person's dream was maybe to uh, 
get a little something with Donna Summer. I don't know if anybody uh, here on this uh, podcast can speak to that. Hey, look, I'm going to tell you this, okay, because these motherfuckers trying to out me, okay? Donna Summers was definitely my first crush, okay? Before I even understood anything about anything, I understood that I used to, like, just want to hold that album cover and keep it close. But don't fucking tell me you hate disco. Don't look me in the fucking face (laughs) and say you fucking hate disco. Say you hate the Bee Gees. Be fucking honest. You hate the fucking Bee Gees. You don't hate disco. You can't listen to this song and not love disco. This song gonna get you chose, pimp. You hear this song come on and you somewhere and you in the club. I mean, you dancing for 16 minutes. Yes. This is again... Donna Summer is trying to get you chose. Hey, Digital okay? Underground sampled this shit for freaks of the industry. And that song was nasty, too. You know what I'm saying? This song gave everybody permission to freak flag. Look, man, Donna Summer's walk, so they Megan could ride, goddammit. <laughs> Show some fucking respect. <laughs> Real hot girl shits, man. Fuck. Stop playing. Number three, Planet Caravan, Black Sabbath, 1970. Okay, so going from Donna Summer, we now moving into uh, Black Sabbath. Okay, so real quickly. Of course, because we are fans of good music. Sometimes I hear people say things like, I listen to all music, I listen to all kinds of music. But what you mean to say is, I listen to top 40 music of all kinds. Okay, just because the look, this shit is all pop. You can turn any little song into some pop bullshit. But we listen to all kinds of music. Uh, hey, I'm a fucking metalhead, so I own that shit. I'm a metalhead, bitch. I love motherfucking Black Sabbath, bitch. This shit is foundational and classical to my taste in music. You know, yes, it's a whole lot of shit I'm mental, But this is definitely something my motherfucker was into mad fucking early. This song is beautiful for the sake of fucking beauty, man. If you, this is the song I give to everyone that's ever said metal fucking sucks. That's me. <laughs> I'm just gonna go myself. I don't like metal. I really like this song, um, and maybe it's just the lyrics or Ozzy Osbourne's vocals. He's not screaming at me, but there's just something really <laughs> powerful about this song. Number two. Grandma's Hands, Bill Withers, 1971. Okay, so it's so funny. We just had Donna Summer two songs ago. That was the longest song of the entire, all the decades. 60, 70, 80, 90, 2000, 2010s. Remember, we we did uh, 10,000 hours, by the way, of listening to music. So out of all of those songs, the 70s that we gotta take to, everything, man. They won't let fact. nobody have shit. They that's gotta take fact. everything. Grandma's hands is officially the shortest song in our entire decade list. Uh, of course, we talking about Bill Withers writing about his grandma. Um, it was included on his first album, Just As I Am, and uh, reached 18 on the best-selling soul singles chart. Say that fast three times. And 42 on the Billboard Hot 100. Canada reached 37 on RPM Magazine Charts, uh, I guess, Songs of the Decade. Uh, Produced by Booker T. Jones, featuring drummer Al Jackson, bassist Duck Dunn from Booker T. and the MGs. Thought on Bill Withers' Grandma's Hands. 
Someone did a play to this song once. No. Oh, speak man. more. Speak more to it. Ah, uh, well, what? I'm just you saying, wanna... <laughs> it's three people in the room, right? One of them is talking is not telling on himself, and you, the story is new to you. So it's new it, to me, too. Nah, there was a girl that was in a play, and it was all about grandma's hands would play while she drank a bottle of apple juice, which was the only gift that this man, the love of her life, she fell in love with anyway, him because she gave him a bottle of apple juice. I would love juice. to hear more about the story. This song, <laughs> unlike some haters in the room, is very protective and nurturing. <laughs> you know, first of all, I just want to say, West Virginia, stand the fuck up. Okay, we in the building. Put some respect on West Virginia. Number one, Maggot Brain, Funkadelic. 1971. So, this is the title track from the legendary uh, uh, Funkadelic third studio album. Um, and how how do you open up that album with a 10-minute title track performed by possibly the greatest guitarist of all time, Eddie Hazel? Um, Pitchfork named it the 17th best album uh, of the 70s. But this song right here, again, a great album. Please go listen to it front to back. It's only about 30 plus, you know, 35 minutes. And this song right here, uh, it made me go through and listen to everything. Not only Funkadelic did, but Eddie Hazel, the guitarist, did. Uh, this song takes you there, takes you to a special place. Uh, I know it's touched everybody, uh, you know. Absolutely. Talk about it. Talk about it. it. It's So, you know, critics, the way they would describe this is like a lengthy mind melting, an emotional apocalypse of sound. And yes, but it's so, it's a journey. That's what this song is, okay? I have gone on an adventure I didn't know I was going on, and it is fantastical, and it is a, an unforgettable experience. I once listened to this song with a person who asked me to share a real moment with them, right? And this song was the song I could think of. It was like the most genuine, rawest moment, right? This song is the essence of the fucking universe. We talking about, of course, Pink Floyd, they just has so much more material, they edge him out. But who's right on their fucking heels, man? Funkadelic. And we talking about the differences between band of the decade, but the song like this, this song puts you in the conversation for greatest song of all time. It's the kind of song where you can hold somebody's hand and break down into everything and be one with everything. So I would have said this is like, you know, an instrumental alert or a no lyrics word, but there is a few lyrics by George Clinton in the beginning and the in the end. And I just wanna I just wanna say it because it's just incredible. Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time. For y'all have knocked her up. I have tasted the maggots in the mind of the universe. I was not offended. For I knew I had to rise above it all. Or drown in my own shit. I mean, what a way to open up an album for an incredible song. This man is a great writer. Just one of the best. Greatest song 
of all time. That's a fact. That's a fact. And, um, you know, that also is the greatest song definitely for the 70s. Um, go back listening to, um, you know, part one. If you missed it, we also did one in the 60s. We're going to keep this going. Public Pulse vibes on Instagram. Public Pulse slash. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's bring that back. Uh, Patreon slash Public Pulse. Um, get on there. We have lots more songs of the 70s of course a ton of songs that we love just missed the cut you can get our entire playlist if uh you hit us up on patreon um any final thoughts from Lil tanky that could or key to the muscle you got when you know better you got to do better right so now when you hear them people come to you and they're like, yeah fucking like the 70s music sucks you have to fight them and you know, just for me, finally, if you if you think that the artist should have been here and they weren't, um, you know, it might be just because they problematic. And frankly, um, you know, there's just some people who. Are oh, you talking about them people who stole all that music from them black people? You talking about them? That, That's a fact. They were they kidnapped that young girl, that fucking group. Yeah. You really want to have it? I mean, Disney thinks they're safe enough. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, we don't. So if you, mm. if, you if you miss some, fuck them. Some people, you know, they I are. Have them, if you think that you owe more money to black people, go to a reparations fund right fucking now and donate fifty dollars. That's a fact. Just for thinking it. Uh, Amin TMK, Lil Tanky that could, Key to the Muscle, Public Pulse Vibes. Thank y'all so much for rocking with us, and we are out. I broke up with my ex girl. Here's a number. Psych, that's the wrong number. For real, for real. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow.